we continue with our spiritual disciplines and today we're going to focus on the spiritual discipline of evangelism we focus on equipping the saints for the work of ministry paul says in first timothy chapter 4 verse 7 discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness so when we when we practice the spiritual disciplines the main purpose of practicing the spiritual disciplines is godliness it's godliness and if we want to practice it we want to make sure that we do it right you know it's just like exercise it's hard to stay in shape even spiritually if you only exercise on sundays so we have to practice these spiritual disciplines it, it should become part of our lives it should become part of our daily lives so every time when we we are here every time when we wake up we have to know that god expect us to practice these spiritual disciplines we have to practice these spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness and that's what god expects from us as christians that's what god expects from us as christians that we practice the spiritual disciplines for the purpose of of godliness we have talked about different uh, spiritual disciplines we talked about the spiritual discipline of reading the word of god we talked about the spiritual discipline of prayer we talked about the spiritual discipline of worship we talked about the spiritual discipline of serving we also talked about the spiritual discipline of meditation we today we're going to focus on the spiritual discipline of evangelism and we also have the spiritual discipline of fasting we have the spiritual discipline of journaling all these are the things that god expects us to to practice if we want to grow in our christian life you cannot grow in your christian walk if you don't study the word of god you cannot grow in your christian life if you do not pray you cannot grow in your christian life if you do not worship if you do not serve in your local church in your community in the minister you have to find a place where you serve you serve god through serving his people we need to meditate on the word of god spend some time with god just be quiet have some quiet time before god and just be quiet in the presence of the lord and allow god to speak to you another area that can help us grow as christians it's through evangelism evangelism simply means communicating or sharing the gospel sharing the gospel evangelism actually it's combination of two greek words eu and angelos eu and angelos that's where we find the word evangel and we have the word angel angel simply means a messenger by the way messenger so an evangel it's a it's a messenger who brings good news a messenger who brings the gospel that's where the word evangelism come from so we have to bring the good news to the people and the good news in this in this case is the gospel of jesus christ last week we talked about first uh, john chapter 1 from verse 1 up to verse 10 we finished on uh, verse 8 to verse 10 that says if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we claim we have no sin we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us and somebody may say but but manasseh manasseh 
You mean uh, even a small child who was just born uh, last year is a sinner? The Bible says yes. It's not me, it's not Manasseh who is saying that. It's not Abraham who is saying that. But the Bible says if we claim that we have no sin, we are just deceiving ourselves. We are just lying to ourselves. There is no truth in us. God says all of us who have sinned. All of us, we have sinned. But there is a way out. The Bible says God provided a way out. It says in verse 9, if we confess our sins, if we to confess means to agree with him. Just to say what he says. God, you say I'm a sinner. I agree with you. I am a sinner. You, you accept that yes, you are a sinner. That's confession. And the Bible says if we confess to him, he is so faithful and he is so just that he will forgive us. God will forgive you your sins as long you confess, as long you accept that you are a sinner. You go to God and say, Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. The Bible says God is so generous when it comes to forgiveness. God is not like your husband. He's not like your wife. He's not like your child. He's not like your grandma. He's not like your grandpa who cannot forgive. God says when you confess to him, he will forgive you. He will forgive you. Romans chapter 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us we have sinned. The last time I checked, the word all, all means all. All means everybody. All means the one who was born in China, the one who was born in South Africa, the one who was born in America, the one who was born in Brazil. All means all of us we have sinned. The one who was born in an unchristian environment is a sinner. The one who was born even a Christian, in a Christian uh, hospital, it's still a sinner. Just because you are born in a Christian hospital, it doesn't make you a saint. All of us we have sinned. All of us we have sinned. And what makes it more painful is uh, Romans chapter 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. In other words, all of the people who have sinned, they are heading towards death. Death simply means separation. And death in this case is a separation between man and God. If you, if you are a sinner, you are separated from God. There is no relationship between you and God. And unfortunately, the worst part of it is, when you are separated from God while you are alive here, you will still remain separated from God even after you have passed on from this world. Whatever decision you make right now, it determines where you go beyond this life. You, you cannot be separated from God now, and after you die, then you reconcile with God. It does not work like that. You have to make a decision right now. You have to make a decision that you want to be with God in eternity. You want to be with God in eternity. So the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is separation. But, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So when you go to Christ, you, you, you have life. And not only life, but abundant life, eternal life. Let's look with, I mean, we, we have seen that when you talk of eternal, eternal does not mean a long time. Eternal does not mean perpetuity. Eternal simply means absence of time. 
absence of time. That's why when you accept Christ now, you have accepted the eternal life right now. You have the abundant life right now. Because there is no time. Time does not apply when it comes to eternity. God lives outside time. So, if there is eternal life, it means there is also eternal death. There is eternal separation. When you have not accepted Christ, you will be separated from God eternally. You will be in hell eternally. There is no change of mind. So, sin separates man from God. When man is on the other side, God is on the other side, and sin is in between. Sin separates man from God. But at the same time, once you jump over and you are on God's side, once you jump over and you become a child of God, and you accept Christ, you believe in Christ, and you accept His, His salvation, the Bible says you become a child of God. God will separate you from sin. Because once you are contaminated with sin, you'll go to hell. But God will separate you from sin. And he calls us his righteousness. You become the righteousness of God. You become the saint of God. So God will separate us from sin. You know, in, in the book of Luke chapter 16, we find a very interesting story here of a rich man and Lazarus. Jesus was telling this story to illustrate how hell looks like. And he tells of this rich man who was living a lavish life, who was enjoying life. He had a good time. He had no time for God. And the Bible says he died, and when he died, he was buried. But later Lazarus also died. When Lazarus died, the Bible says the angels came and they picked him up and they took him to Abraham's bosom. And the Bible says this rich man, he was in hell. And while he was in hell, while he was in pain, while he was in torment, while he was in that darkness. Because hell, it simply means the absence of God. Remember, God is the light. So when God is not there, there is no light. Remember, God is life. When there is no God, there is death. There is pain. This man, he was in pain. And as he was in pain, as he was there, in hell, in the fire. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 27, then I, I beg you, he requested Abraham, he says, I beg you, Father, please send Lazarus to my family. Verse 28, for I have five brothers who are still alive. Let him warn them. Let him talk to them. Let him evangelize to them. Let him talk to them. So that they will not also come to this place of torment. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of darkness. Hell is a place of no life. Hell is a place of no light. Hell is a place of pain. Because once you are separated from God, then you'll be tormented. The good news is, John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave the only begotten son. So that everyone believing in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. We see God here, he changes the direction of man. He changes the direction of man through his love. 
He loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son. And He says, anybody who will believe in this Son, He will no longer go to hell, but they will have eternal life. They will no longer be separated from God, but they will be reunited with God. They will start to live their life with God. And once you start living the life with God, while you are still here, when you die, you just continue to live with God. It's a continuous life, even beyond this. But you have to accept Christ. You have to believe in God. Gospel is not materialism. Gospel is not big cars. Gospel is not big houses. Gospel is not nice clothes. There's a big difference between materialism and gospel. It's unfortunate that most Christians today, they call materialism or miracles, they call it gospel. No, gospel is different from that. By the way, remember, all miracles are temporal. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8 says, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease at some point. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled at some point. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. You don't need to be a Christian, by the way, to have a big house or to have a big car or to have a nice clothes. All you need is to have a good name, a good credit history and a deposit. That's all that you need to have a good car and proof of income. It has nothing to do with the gospel. So anybody who calls materialism gospel is misleading people. Gospel is good news. Gospel is for God so loved the world that he gave the only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, have everlasting life. That is the gospel. That is the truth. That is what we have to preach. That is what we have to share with the people. Share the love of God. Point them to Christ, not to materialism. Don't tell them when you come to Christ, you have a big car, you have a big house. When you come to Christ, you will never get sick. When you come to Christ, you no longer have any. Uh, you never, you never get sick. That is not true. That is not true. That is not the gospel. The gospel is John three sixteen. The gospel is John chapter three verse sixteen. Gospel is good news about the eternal destiny. In other words, that's where people change their permanent address. Because if you are not saved, if you have not accepted Christ in your life, your permanent address is hell. But once you accept Christ, you change your permanent address from hell to heaven. Luke chapter 15 verse 10 says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God rejoices when somebody repents. When somebody moves from, from a wrong direction to a right direction, when somebody moves from hell to heaven, God rejoices, heavens rejoice, the angels rejoice, God's children must celebrate what God celebrates. It does not say God in heaven, he celebrates when we get a brand new car or the best house in town. No. It does not say God celebrates. When, when we become successful in this world, or when we start to accumulate stuff, we accumulate things. The Bible says God rejoices 
When a sinner repents, God's children must celebrate what God celebrates. We have to love what God loves. We have to hate what God hates. God hates sin. And we have to hate sin also. We must rejoice over what God rejoices in. We must get excited when one person changes their direction from hell to heaven. When one person changes their permanent address. This is a real permanent address. Not the street address where you are living right now, but the permanent address where you will spend eternity. The Bible says God gets excited when one person changes that address. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 11 verse 10. The Bible says the fruit of the righteous uh, is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. All this time we thought someone who is good at mathematics, someone who is smart, Someone who knows how many, uh, how many stars are there. We thought those people are wise. But the Bible says a wise person according to God. God's definition of wisdom is somebody who wins souls. It's somebody who brings people to the kingdom. That person, the Bible says, is wise. Do you want to be wise, to be wise in, the, in, in the eyes of God? Do what God wants you to do. Win souls. Invite people to, to, to the kingdom. Share your faith with people. Share your faith with them. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But you will receive power, dynamic power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, God will give you power. God will give you power. And there is purpose for that power. There is purpose for that power. And the purpose for that power, the Bible says, is so that you will be his witnesses. It's so that you will be his witnesses. It's so that you will be his witnesses. That's the purpose of the power. The purpose of the power, it's not just to demonstrate the power of God. It's not just to demonstrate the power of God. But it's so that you can be a witness. It's so that you can be a witness. God wants you to be a witness. God wants you to be a witness for him. To represent him. To represent him. To represent him. Everywhere you go, you have to represent God. You have to represent God. You have to represent God. Because if you do not represent him, how will people know about this God? How will people know about this God? How will people know about Jesus? How will people know about the forgiveness of their sins? There are people who live in guilt every day. And they feel like they have to do something so that at least that guilt might go. So they might, they might not have any guilt anymore. Some people, they feel like, let me help in the community. Maybe the guilt will go. Some people, they say, okay, let's start a project and start to save crocodiles or start to save uh, animals or save uh, whales or save uh, elephants. Or, let me do something, at least to help. Maybe that guilt, I feel like I have to do something right. I have to do something good. Maybe if I, if I help in the community or I help in the street or I help a homeless person, maybe that guilt will go. That's why there are a lot of people who will start non-profit organizations because they are trying to do something good, because they have a sense of guilt. They want to get rid of that guilt, but they don't know how to do it. 
You have to become a witness and tell them the truth that yes, there's a way out. Your sins can be forgiven. When you say you're a witness, a witness is one who has either seen or was part of the event. You were there. You are part of the event. You are part of what happened. Then you are a witness. And God calls us witnesses. You don't have to be a theologian to be a witness. To be a witness is just tell what you have seen. You just share with people what God has done in your life. Tell them, I was a drunkard, but now I'm saved. I don't drink anymore. I was a sinner, now I'm saved. My permanent address was hell. Now I've changed my direction. I'm going to heaven. You just share with them your personal experience. Who can argue with your experience? They will argue with your theology, but they cannot argue with your personal experience. When you say, yes, my life has changed, who can argue with that? It's your life. How can I, how can I argue with your life? How can I argue with what has happened in your life? So God says, you will be my witness. You will not be my representative. You will not be my spokesperson. He says you will be my witness. In other words, you will just share what you have witnessed in your life. Because you are part of the event. God has changed your life. You can share with your colleagues. You can share with your neighbors. You can share with your relatives. You can share with other people. And that will change their lives forever. You can change their permanent address forever. By being a witness. A witness is someone who is serving as a living evidence or proof of life change. Yes, you are a proof of life change. Then you can be God's witness. You can be God's witness. God can allow you through the power of the gospel. When we talk of gospel, I want you to understand, gospel is not inspiration. Gospel, we are talking about salvation of men here. We are not talking about motivation. Gospel is not motivation. I'm not motivating people. I'm speaking the gospel of Christ. You can motivate people and they still go to hell. Then what is the use of your motivation? You can inspire people to do wrong things. Adolf Hitler, he, he inspired people to do wrong things, to kill the Jews. So just because you are inspiring, it does not mean that is the gospel. Inspiration is different from gospel. Motivation is different from gospel. Gospel here, we're talking about eternal destiny here. We are talking about life change here. This is life transformation. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you talk of gospel, we are talking about transformation. We are talking about life change. There's a difference between how you lived before you accepted the gospel and after you have accepted Christ in your life. There will be transformation. There will be change. That is the gospel that you are talking about. By the way, all believers are evangelists. Every Christian is empowered to evangelize. He says, when you receive the power, the purpose of the power is to evangelize. The purpose of the power of God is for you to share the gospel of God. God calls all believers to be his witnesses. 
And God also provides you the power to witness. He also provides you a powerful message. This is the message that can change somebody's life. The message of the cross. The message of salvation. The message of the blood of Jesus. It is the message that has the power. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. For it is the power of God. It is the power of God. That can change your life. So God provides you with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to be a witness, but He also provides you with the power of the message. It's a very, very powerful message that He's giving you. The message is, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That is the power of the gospel that God wants us to share with our people. Every evangelist could be called to be a witness. But also, not everybody is called to be a full-time to be in full-time ministry or be a full-time evangelist. But all Christians are evangelists. You are an evangelist wherever you are. You have to brighten the corner where you are. Jesus says, "I'm the light of the world." And he turned around. He looked at his disciples. He said, "You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world." So you can brighten the corner where you are. You don't have to go international to preach the gospel. You don't have to do what I'm doing to preach the gospel. You can brighten the corner in that village where you are. You can brighten the corner in that office where you are. You can brighten the corner in that street where you live. Brighten the corner where you are because you are an evangelist. You are an evangelist. Just as, as God expects us as Christians to love one another, to love other people, God also expects us to evangelize, to share the gospel with other people. We have to share the gospel with other people. We evangelize because we love people. We do this out of love. We do this because we love people. Jesus, before he left, he gave us a final command. He gave us a commission, what you call the great commission. In Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, the Bible says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's instructing us to go wherever you are, in actual fact, another translation says, as you go, <laughs> as you go, as you go, as you go, make disciples. As you go with life, make disciples. As you go with life, make disciples. Wherever you go, make disciples. Wherever you go, make disciples. Wherever you are, make disciples. When you go to the store, make disciples. When you go to work, make disciples. When you go to church, make disciples. When you're in the street, make disciples. As you go with life, as you go to the grocery store, make disciples. When you go to town, make disciples. Make disciples everywhere you go. As you go, make disciples of all nations. The word nations, it does not mean countries. It means ethnos. Ethnos. Ethnos means every ethnic group. Whether it's black, whether it's white, whether it's yellow, whether it's Jamaican, whatever. Every nation, they have to hear this powerful gospel that we are talking about. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations, 
Then you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, you also teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. What did you command us? John chapter 3 verse 16. What did you command us? He says, I'll, I'll give you power. You'll receive power to be a witness. You just share with them what you know. You don't have to go to a theological school to share your gospel. You just share. Just be a witness. Share what's in you. Share what God has done in your life. What I like is the final part. It says, as you do that, as you share the gospel, as you speak the gospel, I'll be with you always. So comforting. So encouraging. So strengthening. He says, as you continue to share the gospel, God will be with you. Do you want God to be with you? Do you want God to walk with you? Share the gospel. He says, when you share the gospel, when you make disciples of men, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to, to, to stand with you. You know, as Christians, we're just like somebody who is begging. Somebody who is begging in the street. We're just like a beggar or a homeless person who has found or discovered where bread is, where lunch is. And he comes back to the street and he invites his friends and he says, I have found a place where we can have lunch. I have found a place in that corner. I have found a place in that shop. They will give you bread. Let's go. I will show you where to find bread. That's what we are doing. We just invite them. You have the peace of God in your life. You have the peace of God in your family. And you say, come, let me show you where you can find peace. When somebody's in the office, somebody's sharing with you what's going on in their lives, it's a cry for help. They're saying, we don't know where to find help. We don't know where to find peace. And you say, yes, let me show you where I found my peace. It's in Jesus. You point them to Jesus. So you're like a beggar who shows other beggars where to find bread, where to find help. We share our personal testimonies. That is all that evangelism is. You don't have to come with powerful scriptures or convincing. Just share what has happened in your life. And God expects us to do that. Share your personal testimonies. Who can, who can, who can argue with your personal experience? Our message is very simple. Come and see. Come and see. You remember the woman who was at the well in John chapter 4? Immediately after Jesus talked to her, immediately after she was convicted, immediately she, was, you know, she believed in him. The Bible says she became an evangelist immediately. She quickly ran back to town. She ran to them, to the villages, and everyone told them, come and see the man who told everything about me. Come and see. And that should be our testimony. That should be our gospel. You just invite them to Christ and say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. That is your message. Don't try to convert people. Don't try to change people. You will never change a human being. It's only God who can change them. The message that you preach to them is, come and see. Come and experience what I've experienced. That's the message that God wants us to share with other people. Invite them to church. Invite them to Bible studies like this. Invite them to radio stations uh, like Charisma Radio Station, where they can hear the gospel. Come and see. Come and hear. Just invite them to come and see. Invite them to come and hear. Come and listen. That's all that you can do. This is what has happened to me. I was blind, but now I see. 
And they tried to ask this, this young man. He said, I was blind. That's all that I know. I was blind. Now I see. They said, but he's not a prophet. Oh, he's not from me. He said, I don't care about that. I was blind. And now I see. Do you also want to join us? Do you also want to believe in him? <laughs> That's the message of the cross. Share your personal testimony. And as we are going to close, I have a question for you. How many people will be in heaven because of you? How do you think about this question? Ask yourself, how many people will have heaven as their final destiny because of you? How many people will be in hell because he did not share your personal testimony with them? Because he did not share the good news with them? Because he did not share the gospel with them. You work with them every day in the office. You live with them at home. Some of them, you, you, you meet with them even in church, and you know that they are not saved. You know that they don't know Christ. And you know that their final destiny is hell. How many of those will go to hell just because he did not share the gospel with them? Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It's a very, very powerful verse of scripture. It says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? The final question to you and to me is, And how can they hear about him? Unless someone tells them. Who is that someone? That someone it's you. That someone it's me. How can they hear about Christ? If we don't tell them. Spiritual discipline. Of evangelism. That's how the church will grow. That's how the kingdom will grow. When we start to practice the spiritual discipline. Of evangelism. And we share our faith. With them. We share our faith with them. I don't know how many of you today are saying yes to this call. Say yes to this call. I'm going to share my faith with people. I'm going to share my faith with the people that I live with. I'm going to share my faith with the people that I come across in my life because I know that their eternal destiny is hell. And the only way it will change is when they accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But the Bible says, how can they accept Christ? How will they know if you don't share with them? If you are just quiet around them. And one day they will blame you. And say, but you knew about these things. I was living with you in the same apartment, the same flat, the same street. So you knew that I was going to hell and you kept quiet. You didn't share with me the gospel. I'm going to ask you to sing right now. I want us to sing this song. And I want us to agree with the song that says, My soul, say yes. Yes. I'm going to share this gospel. I'm going to share this gospel. I'm going to share this gospel. Let's listen to this song. 
as we are going to close.